The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Brutal Nation, my friends. A podcast series that is dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I am your host today, Dieter, with my friend Klaus. And right across from me is the heathen, Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Frau Tammy. Hi, everybody. You are not funny at all. I am hilarious. (laughs) No, he's doing that because I am featuring the doctor he has been waiting for me to feature since we started this podcast series. Yes. Yes, you are. I am excited. Yes. Um, A little background information. Uh, besides the fact that we had to restart this because of Scott. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain why. I'll explain why. Um, yeah. Give me one moment because I forgot I had to put our counter on. <laughs> I'm fucking up everything today. He is fucking so, up everything. And we're on a time crunch today, too. And so. We are. So, and, and here's what happened, folks. Just so, because we believe in complete, you know, disclosure. Transparency, and transparency. yes. Transparency. We're like 48, maybe 50 minutes in. <clears throat> yeah. And my son is going off to work, and he takes the bus to work for right now. Yeah. Um, until he can buy a car, <clears throat> because I believe the kids should have to earn that shit. And uh, so he leans down to give me a hug. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, uh, while I do complain about Jake sometimes, I, I do. I fucking love my kids. You do. Um, I don't believe in hugging people, but whatever. <laughs> I would hug my son a thousand times a day if I could. Yeah. Because, you know, I, you know one of us could die tomorrow. We don't know. Um, so... He leans down to give me a hug, and the cursor is hovering over right where it is right now. So let me move that out of the way. Over where it says abort and restart. Yeah, he aborted us. And it re- aborted and restarted. Yeah, we couldn't find it. Yeah, that was that was my smooth move of the day. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> so proud, Tommy. Yeah. Tell so, me about the good doctor. So it looks like we're, this is going to be a two-parter. <laughs> Is that like a, buying a two-pack of M&M's for 50 cent? That's ludicrous? <laughs> no, nothing like that. <laughs> so I'm going to get into a little background information on this guy. Um, this is a very sensitive subject with everybody, and it should be. But at the same time, I want people to focus on... I'll get into that, I guess, in a minute. So this is the subject of Nazi Germany and the horrors of the Holocaust. They're not what one would expect to associate with a series that focuses on serial killers. However, we look at if we look at it from the textbook definition of a serial killer, then the doctor I'm featuring today would be the poster child. Not to mention writings on him were the first written account I could find where the phrase angel of death was coined. Um, The doctor I'm talking about is Dr. Joseph Mengele, and he is the true angel of death. He isn't a serial killer in the traditional sense of the word. Mengele was a well-respected physician before he became the infamous Nazi doctor of Auschwitz. However, once he became a Nazi doctor, he turned into a doctor with a mission, a mission that went far beyond his duty to select which of the new arrivals to Auschwitz 
would be forced into hard labor and which would be taken directly to their death in the gas chambers. Are you doing something that... He's like reaching. No, not, nothing out of the ordinary. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting the volumes oh. as we go because you tend to like. I do sometimes. I get passionate. away from the mic and then I watch your levels start to like diminish. And I've noticed that in some of our podcasts, like mine stays pretty consistent. But then again, uh, you know, and, and not picking on you, I'm used to microphones. Yeah. Because I, you know, well, as I've mentioned a thousand times, I'm a musician and, yeah. and a singer as yeah. well as a guitar player. So I'm. I know mic dynamics. Whatever. It just takes a little time to teach people proper di- mic Well, it's dynamics. like I try, but then I get passionate and I kind of move to the side. And I oh, swing I see. And then you become all gangster rap. You know, I, I know. I talk, no, I talk with my hands a lot. Have you noticed that? So I want to make it perfectly clear that today's subject matter is not one to make light of, as it is a serious matter that many cultures to this day is a serious matter to many cultures to this day. Yet we have already covered a few cases where they have actually mentioned the phrase or something similar to most prolific peacetime serial killer. This particular case is one that falls under a wartime serial killer. No matter how you look at it, he was and always should be considered a serial killer, despite the fact that he had a green light from his government to do the things he did. Okay, now, are you ready? I'm ready. Me, my name is Dieter, and Klaus are ready to hear about the good doctor. Tell us, Frau uh, Tammy. Fraulein. Tell us us your story. Yes, I'm not married. I'm Fraulein. Um, Joseph Mengele was born on March 16th, 1911. He was the oldest son in a very well-off Scott's telling me to like circle the mic. Anyways, in a very well-off family from Gunzburg, Germany. His family, his father was a Bavarian industrialist, and the family owns a farm implement factory in Germany that is still running to this day. So excellent businessman. Yeah, uh, excellent. He was born yeah. with that proverbial uh, silver spoon in the mouth. Very much so. Yeah, okay. it's like you know. Well, yeah. Kudos for him, man. Had it, I don't think if it was for the Nazis, he still would have been pretty predominant and probably gone on. Oh, I think he would have been. Yeah. Things. I yeah. mean, and I talk about how where I mean, he was on a fast track. Um, he was a wonderful man. Yeah. yeah. Most people who knew him growing up said he was quite a serious student who consistently displayed his extreme intelligence and his over the top ambitions. So now you're kind of getting a glimpse into how he was. He always displayed that over the top ambition to go above and beyond. Okay. When he graduated from high school in 1930, he moved to Munich to study philosophy. That burger's coming back up. Oh, it hurts. I'm so sorry. You got the wrong one. (laughs) Within a year at age 20 in 1931, he joined a paramilitary organization known as the Stahlhelm, which is the steel helmet. And in 1934, the organization was absorbed into the Nazi Storm Detachment or the SA. Okay. Okay. He was attending the university... And he went from, as he was attending university, he went from studying philosophy to concentrating his efforts on physical anthropology and genetics. Mengele completed his studies at the University of Munich in 1935, earning his PhD in anthropology. Now, 
From there, he went on to join the Institute for Hereditary Biology and Racial Hygiene, located in Frankfurt in January of 1937. So to clarify here, he went on to an institute that studied the super race. Yeah, kind of gathered that, yeah. Yeah, so I was just clarifying. So while he was there, he found himself working for a guy, and I know I'm going to butcher this, but his name was Dr. Otmar Ferrer von Verschker. Like I said, I later call him Dr. V. I love the way you say that because the, the, your facial expressions just crack me up when you say that your eyes get squinty. Almost <laughs> like I Asian. keep trying to think, I know I'm going to screw you, this you up. You get all Asian on me really quick. <laughs> and and I don't even have Asian blood. And I was expecting you to sit there and go, and then he eat his cat. <laughs> Whatever. And his dog. Shut up. Juicy hand egg. Okay, anyways, this Dr. V will come into play a little later on. Dr. V was a German geneticist whose keen interest in researching twins, specifically, <laughs> almost bordered on an unhealthy obsession. Uh, coincidentally, I research twins in a different way. In a way. Let me tell you something. Not all twins are the same. Just say it. Just say it. Sometimes they're very different. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. Anything to help? You're not helping. Oh, I was. Believe me. <laughs> In depth, through really deep research. Anywho, <laughs> the year he began working with Dr. V, Mengele also joined the SS and thus the Nazi Party. Prior to committing his wartime crimes, he published a total of three articles. The first one happened to be his dissertation titled Racial Morphological Morphological Examination of the Anterior Portion of the Lower Jaw in Four Racial Groups. Basically, he was trying to determine if by the size and shape of the jaw, what racial group they fell into, from my understanding. Okay, fair enough. Which, I don't know why these titles for these papers have to be so freaking long, but you know, (laughs) there you go. He wrote this while well, they obviously weren't worried about SEO statistics or anything, right? Yeah, hold on. I was just thinking of something because I was thinking about uh, the, uh, uh, the, the one uh, YouTube thing that I watched that, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. guitars at the end. It has like the German word of the day. Mm-hmm. And every German word is like a thousand characters long. I swear to God, just the name of that paper alone was probably 50 pages. Probably. You have to read through 50 pages just to say, just, just to go back. What the fuck was that about? Oh, okay, jaw. Okay, I got <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wrote that while he was attending the Anthropological Institute at the University of Munich. Now, in 1938, he published his medical dissertation titled Genealogical Studies in the Cases of Clep, Lip, Lip, Jaw, and Palates. So he was studying the hereditary factors of cleft lip. Right, right. Okay, which is very admirable. Yeah, totally. Because people to this day don't know really what causes it. Exactly. You know, if we could, then we could just do a little gene therapy, I guess, or something, and uh, correct that. Do something. You know, in vitro. Yeah. So he wrote this while he attended the University of Frankfurt, and it ultimately earned him, I hate to say this word, his cum laude doctorate. <laughs> Stop. Right there, I Scott. Can't. You know, some of the, some of the twins that I uh, studied, 
I, they graduated my college. You want to know what they graduated as? Magna come loudly, baby. Yeah. You're dumb. <laughs> Just like a you mom in a cat there suit. Are so many times when I hate you. <laughs> Just like your mom in a cat suit. Again, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so this dissertation seems to be what ultimately led to the work he did on genetic abnormalities while he was stationed at Auschwitz. It was also indirectly related to the work on twins that he would focus on. I focused a lot on twins, though. <laughs> Anywho. So him and I got some in common. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Anyways, he helped research the lens Verscher principle on irregular dominant hereditary process. And out of that research, Mengele obtained the information he used when he wrote and published his third article. And the article was titled Hereditary Transmission of Fistulae Auris. Now, I do go into this. You and I talked about it, so I, I do go into what it is. I remember what it is now, because all of a sudden I was going, what the hell is a fishy oris? It's a fistulae oris. It sounds like a fish in the ass. I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm putting it out there. It Whatever. Like a fishy ass. It's a congenital hereditary condition that's related to a person's ear. Now, I'm going to probably do this whole thing because I talk with my hands a lot, but for those who don't know, I'm actually trying to point out on my head where you can't see me. Um, <laughs> excuse me, Tammy? I know. This is a podcast. Not a vlog, not a YouTube thing. My whole thing is, is I talk with my hands. Just saying. So Scott will see where I'm pointing to. So yeah. anyways. And of pe- course, if I see it, all of our listeners will <laughs> see it right. too. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of fucking sense. So Carry on. People who have it will notice a mark that resembles a pock mark that's located at the base <laughs> of the curve. And I'm doing it again. At the top. The top curve of the ear. I'm trying not to She's do it. She's pointing kind of at the top <laughs> yeah. of her ear It's under the temple where your ear meets your head. Okay? Patients with this condition run the risk of developing candida auris, which is an emerging fungus that's often resistant to many antifungal drugs, and it's also difficult to identify without specific technology. So as a result... Oh, that's... A red. I was like, why is my computer not... There's a red line on my computer saying I have to fix something. Sorry. <laughs> it was bugging me. I thought it was... I'm a, you, you know what you got to fix? My mic? Yeah, just saying. Yeah, well... They want to out you on the air. But yeah, okay. well, I outed myself. So anyways, so there, therefore, as a result of needing the specific technology, it's often misdiagnosed. And if it's left untreated, it can cause cancers, underlying respiratory illness, organ failure. However, it's notorious for causing native and prosthetic valve endocarditis, which is an infection in one or more of the heart valves that can cause congestive heart failure and myocardial abscesses. All from a little tiny pockmark on the... Uh, All from a pockmark on your ear. Jesus Christ, man. That's fucked up. I know. Now you're going to go to the doctor and say, do I have a pockmark right here? Damn right. I got to get my yeah, money. It's just a little tiny, and it's like, I'm telling you, you wouldn't even know. The so they might have my son check me. I'm going to say, dude, you got to check around each We got to check around yeah. each other's ears, man. Yeah. So anyways, in 1938, he joined the military. He was a well-accomplished in research of medical conditions and how they can be treated. You know, by then. And many who knew him figured he was destined for the field of academia. Like I said, he was on the fast track to professorship. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, however, all of this was put on hold between 1938 and 39. It was around this time that he started to focus on his military experience. 
That is when he spent six months serving as part of a specially trained mountain light infantry regiment. I, oh, sorry. I thought it was my mother, but it's not. Thank goodness. Um, this, you know, and I want to try to give a little context to what he was involved with. Okay. All right. Shoot it at me. To try to give you context of him and what he did later. So, although he didn't find out precisely which regiment he served with, I have kind of, I did a deep dive and I think I have it narrowed down, (laughs) shut up, to the first mountain division. Okay. This was otherwise, otherwise referred to as the Wehrmacht. See, I got that one right. Or the twin regiment. The, the Wehrmacht. No, going this into the This is twin. Nazi Germany's unified armed forces. So this division of Germany's military manifested out of the Nazis' motivation to rearm Germany after World War One. Okay? Because we all know Germany lost big in World War One. Well. Right, yeah. That was a fail. That was a major fail. Um Epic fail, I guess is what they'd say nowadays. So the Wehrmacht was responsible for the 1939 September invasion of Poland or the Fall Weiss, which is Operation White. Okay? That was the German codename Hitler assigned to his attack order on Poland. It began on September 1st, 1939 and involved 54 military divisions. Okay? Now... Allegedly he attacked them. Whatever, dude. Allegedly. Allegedly. Anyways, it's actually been proven, but okay. Fall Vice lies. All, va- all lies. was launched in part due to one of Hitler's bogus claims. This claim, he, he, to justify this attack, Hitler actually claimed that a group of Polish troops launched an unprovoked attack on Gleiwitz, a German radio station. So Fall Weiss was the German operation that ultimately started World War II. Okay? Now, during this campaign on September 9th of 1939, the Wehrmacht soldiers committed the first documented war crimes of World War II. Allegedly. Documented. (laughs) While they... Allegedly. (laughs) Shut up. While they occupied... A village in Poland, Wehrmacht troops burned houses, murdered six civilians, and killed three POWs. During this attack, they also attempted to carry out an execution of another 250 civilians. Hold on. I need to call an expert. Dieter! <laughs> Yo! Can we talk about this? It is only legend, Fraulein Dami. Here's what really happened. The Poles attacked us first, and we had to protect ourselves because we lost bad in World War I. We know that. We admit. We admit. But we were protecting ourselves. This is all I am saying. You wanted to rearm yourself. That is right. We had to give ourselves the arms so we could protect Germany. Continue. (laughs) Oh, thank you for giving me permission to continue. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Tell Scott he forgot to use the straightener on his goatee today. <laughs> You're a dick. I just noticed it. I'm like, that's kind of curly. <laughs> Actually, I, I only use the straightener whenever I like will do a show. Normally. Oh yeah. Um, or if I have a hot date. Yeah. Well, I just like notice it was this really my, curly. This is, like, this is my favorite, my flavor saver because I can flip it up. Oh, I know you. Well, it's okay. like curled around like 
I don't know. Some weird cartoon character. I am a cartoon character. <laughs> Come on. You can't this, get this is true. You can't get this shit in real life. So it's sometime in 1940, Mengele was assigned to the German Reserve Medical Corps. He would follow this place in the three-year service with the Waffen-SS unit. And it's... it's I'm sorry. Actually, did you just say waffle? No. Waffen. Waffen. W-A-F-F-E-R. I've been craving waffles hella bad, and I want a waffle iron, which I've never wanted one before. I want to have a waffle, too, but and I don't want to really eat them with you because you'll make fun of thinking me. Thinking of fucking waffles. That's because you do disgusting things with your pancakes and your waffles. I do. I, well, fucker. it's not disgusting. It's actually very delicious. But, yeah, I put pepper on my waffles and my pancakes. That is a sign of a mental issue. No. Just saying. I'm just saying. People should try it. That is disgusting. It, the pepper cuts into the sweetness of the syrup, making it edible. I might try pepper. I don't know. I just like I like giving you shit. I know you do. <coughs> anyway, you. continue. I was going to buy waffles. On, I mean, pancakes on my way over here and didn't do it. So anyways, um, this is actually translated to armed SS. So this is a military branch of the SS organization developed by the Nazi party. And it consisted of three groups of people. It had men from Nazi Germany, as well as volunteers from German occupied and unoccupied lands. And con and conscripts or draftees from the same region. So okay. they they in essence had a military draft. Right, right, right. And it makes okay. sense, yeah. So yeah. by June of nineteen forty one, he was posted in the Ukraine. While on this post, he received the Iron Cross second class. And this is a medal awarded to those who perform a single act of bravery in the face of an enemy. It's also awarded for actions considered to go above and beyond the call of duty, which is already well established that he has out of this world over the top ideas, which go above and beyond. Exactly. Exactly. So, so far, I got to tell you, even though I know the atrocities that he's done. Yeah. So far, we have to kind of admire that he does go above and beyond. Right. For and his country. There's actually some more that you will. If he didn't do the things he did. You would admire him for it. I should have read a lot more about this dude before we Should've. even did this podcast. So far, hey, I mean, and it, I know the fucked a, up things he did. It was a very interesting read. All the articles I read was a very interesting read. Yeah, I mean, I, granted, yeah. I know that he did fucked up things. He did very fucked up things. Okay, and I forgot but to say this. But you know what? We have said that about a lot of people. They have done very fucked up things, and we don't condone those things. But when we take out what they did and look out who they were, Prior to that? No, that's true, yeah. You know? And I forgot to say this at the beginning of, of the podcast, like I did the one that I destroyed. Um, while I do make fun, and I, you know, and I've got my characters like Dieter and Klaus. That I hear about every day. That are Nazis in my head. Yes. I don't in any way, shape, or form condone the atrocities that were done at the concentration at camps. During, you know, and. Uh, uh, by by the Nazis no. at all. I don't think that anybody no. should ever be tortured. Well, no. let me take that back. Well, there are some people that are such monsters that perhaps the punishment should fit the crime. Yes. Let us not forget our Dr. Joan. Or, yeah, oh, yeah. Week. Or even we were talking about Randy Kraft, yes. um, you know, that, yes. I, that I featured him and William Bonin. You notice I didn't put... Pat into that. I noticed you didn't put. That's because I noticed you didn't put your best friend. You want to know why? Because Mr. Kearney never tortured anybody. He did not. 
I don't condone what he did. He didn't torture anybody. This is true. Um, he did not. But Kraft and Bonin did, and I think the punishment should fit the crime. I shouldn't. I don't. I don't think that those types of people should be allowed to just, you know, right. sit there forever in a day. It should be the same punishment. Yes. Well, you know, I said that about Joan last week. I wanted to freaking pour bleach on that guy's throat. Yeah, Joan. Uh, I did. What I was wanted... his last name again? Uh, Delhomme. I, I. Oh, he's right up here, Joan Villa Delhomme. Yep. He's, yeah, Don on top Villa of the screen. I yeah. did. I wanted to totally fucking yeah. pour bleach in that man's mouth. So, yeah, I, I don't condone no. what has happened. Okay, so before you all start sending me hate mail, going, fuck you, Scott. You must be a Nazi. And you're no. a Nazi sympathizer. That is not no, but the if we, case I mean, let's, at no, all. But let's also look back at other podcasts. No matter which podcast we're doing... Nine times out of ten, Scott tries to find the good in them because in the beginning. most of the time, yes. and I, I've learned this. I used to say all the time, some everybody has something good about them. Most of the time. Now it's most of the time people have some good. You know, they do evil shit, but they have good. Um, yeah. And I, I like bringing up Patrick Kearney a lot because I, I really do like him as a person. Yes. Um, you know, he did horrible things, and that's bad. Yes. And he deserves to have a punishment for that. Yes. However, I'm talking to a guy who was once an engineer. Yes. Highly above intelligent. Yes. I mean, just really, really very, intelligent. Yes, very the, advanced in his field, even. Right. I mean, he was very articulate. Very. Of, and, and at least so far towards me, he's been very nice, very polite. And very much so. Very yeah. sweet. He's a very sweet guy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and that's really weird. And it's kind of weird to say that about a guy you featured as a serial killer. It, it's very, very because bizarre. when you compare him to the other guy that we received correspondence back from, yeah. night and day. Night night and total night and day. Yeah, because you almost see his um, remorse in his words, too. I do. You know, do. which that's... is odd to say about a serial killer. That's why in the letter that but, I'm getting ready to send him uh, yeah. for this week, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, you know, I, you see his sincerity, which yeah. is odd when it comes to serial killers. You normally don't see that because a lot of them are sociopathic or psychopathic where they can't feel that. Exactly. So, anyway, let's go on with the good doctor yeah, because anyways, we get on soapboxes and then can, our podcast take fucking 10,000 years. Okay. So anyways, by June, did I get into this? Yeah, the second class. Got it. Yeah. So he would join the, and then he went on in nineteen in January of 1942, he joined the 5th SS Panzer Division Viking, W-I-K-I-N-G, Viking, as a battalion medical officer. As part of this division, he actually risked his life to rescue two German soldiers who were burning in a tank when he pulled them out of the flames. As a result of these actions, he was awarded three service medals. The Iron Cross First Class, which is given to the soldier who displays three to four further acts beyond what earned them the second class. He received the Wound Badge in Black, which is given to the soldier who was wounded once or twice as a result of hostile action, or if they receive frostbite in the line of duty. I'm trying to keep it straight. <laughs> Anyways, I don't this know why I moved that time. 
I'm but, just watching your signal going to shit. That's all. Oh, well, you know, maybe you should just adjust it. Keep adjusting it. Well, that's me. what I'm doing. I'm like a ninja. Anyway, for one second. <laughs> so anyways, so basically that is a U.S. equivalent of the Purple Heart. Right. OK. Blood has to be shed for that one. And he also received a medal for the care of German people, which is awarded in the care of the sick and wounded, as well as merits in the field of welfare. This is equivalent to a Red Cross decoration. Okay? So sometime in the mid-1942, Mengele was severely wounded in the line of duty, and as a result, he became an unfit for any further active military service. Okay? He could no longer be a soldier in the field. Right. All right. And I kind of can understand why he committed the atrocities that he did. Kind of a little bit. Okay. Think of it this way here, boys and girls. He's been fed the propaganda of the the Polish people have attacked us first. Yes. So we're going to protect ourselves. You have to protect your country of Germany. Right. You're also watching... Uh, well, uh, you got the information, too, while Hitler, wa- before he was uh, elected, right. that the reason why the economy in Germany is so bad is the Jews. The Jews control the banks. Yes. They control all the money. So they're the reason why, you know, the economy here is just garbage. So armed with that. Right. And Hitler's propaganda was the only thing they saw. Right. It was mailed in flyers, you know, the junk mail flyers we hate to get from politicians. It was that. It was um, the TV, the radio, everything. It was, was the Hitler's recruiters propaganda. that went from bar to bar recruiting yes. people for the SS. That too, yes. You know, you're, you're given this information. so It's yeah, being shoved down your throat. Right, and you have to understand, Mengele was being programmed with this information. And this is, this is the key thing. And this is why I warn people about their governments, including here in the U.S. Oh, very much so. If I can control the information you're getting, I can control you. And that was even evident when, during the Cold War between us and Russia. Yes. The Russians are telling the U.S. people, or, or, the Russians are telling their, their, their own people that communism is the way to go. Yes. And that America wants to destroy their way of life so that way there nobody is equal. Right. And the U.S., is showing pictures of Russia where everybody's starving to death. Yes, and, very and, much so. And, and it's, it's I remember that. horrible. And it's never a bright, sunny day in Russia because they're all having to wait for a loaf of bread, which they probably did. They had to wait in line for food. Oh, yeah. I mean, you. Oh, I mean, that is one of the biggest pictures I still remember from my younger years yeah. is them waiting in line for a loaf of bread. Right. In the bread lines. But there's propaganda on both on both Very sections. Much but so. as a US citizen, if that's the only information you're getting, right. your vision of Russia is it's literally shitty. this is a hellhole. Yes. Oh my god, we can't become like Russia. And they're good. Everybody needs a bomb shelter because Russia's gonna bomb us at any minute. At any minute. The, well, yeah. The, the communists are gonna come over here and take over the yeah. US and they're gonna bomb us. Meanwhile, in Russia, they're saying the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. you don't want to be like the U.S. Because if you yes. do, nobody will have food. And where will you live? We're taking care of you. Because that's the information you're getting. Yeah, you're not getting taken care of, like, as as well as some of, like, the politicians, you know. Like, no, yeah, um, you have to be in a bread line. But, hey, we're giving you bread. Like, oh, what was his? Joseph. Stalin. Stalin. That was it. Like, Stalin. You know, you're not you're not getting what. But hey, at least you're getting you're getting food every day. 
Yes. You've got a place to live. Yes. The government is giving you a job. Yes. Because they're going to tell you what you have to do for a living. True. You know, if they say, guess what? You're a, a projection oper- a projection machine operator. That's what the fuck you do. Yeah, um totally. But you're not jobless. You've got food and you have shelter. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, I, I, can, I can kind of understand why Mengele did what he did. Because this is the information you're getting. So you're looking at these people. Number one, you have a country that you think attacked you, which is Poland. Right. So these people attacked you, and they're attacking your friends. And you've pulled your friends. These are guys that you're eating with, that you're that you're sleeping next to in the trenches. Right. That you're just having general conversations with, like, hey, you know, in the future, that was just the wind blowing through the back doors. I know, open. but that was weird. In the future, you know, when 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 I go home, I want to see my 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 wife, uh, you know, Gretchen. And we, we have two kids. Oh, well, you know, I have a girlfriend named this. And you're, you're shooting the shit back yeah. and forth. And now you're watching your fellow countrymen. And letters. And, yeah. Yeah, you're watching your, your friends, your brothers, your, 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 your fellow countrymen dying all around you from this country that right. has attacked your country. Yeah, that you're being told attacked you first. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the information you have. So these people that are attacking you, plus the damn Jews... Because they controlled all your money, and that's why you ain't got nothing. They're all really just beneath you. Yes. And the ultimate goal is to get rid of those kind of people. Yeah, those people. So that way they're a superior race, can emerge. Right. And everybody can live in this, like, utopia where, you know, we're we're, we're the best of the people. Yeah, where the unicorns fart rainbows all the time. Well, the idea (laughs) from what I got from reading that portion of Mein Kempf that I... uh, feature right. before is that the, the 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 general consensus of what Hitler was trying to say was once this is done and we have the ultimate race of people everybody can live on an even playing field as far as the best of the people can rise above everything right and we'll do the best of the jobs and get the best of the 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 benefits from that you're gonna get, you're gonna have the best of houses, kind of like we live here. Okay. Oh yeah. Like if 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 you don't want to work and you want to panhandle all day, well, no, you're not living in a great house. You might live in an apartment. You might live in a tent. Right. Now, to the flip side of that, you have people that work like I do. Right. You know, to where I can afford to have a, the best of houses by and large. I mean, I'm not moving into a twelve million dollar home today. Um. And yes. I know that I live in this uh, duplex, and I'll tell you why. I know why. Because I watch the economy, and I'm waiting for that housing market to come back right the fuck back down so I can buy a goddamn nice house. Plus, the rent here is dirt cheap, and now I hate my neighbors. So There you um, go. Well, only one pair of them. But, um, <laughs> but that was the general consensus of, of, of what Hitler was trying to convey. Right. Because in his mind, that was the right thing, not for you, not for me, but for his country, for Germany. He wanted to make Germany a better place. Yeah. A place that wasn't poverty-stricken. That was his fucked-up mindset, yeah. Where, where, where everybody wasn't sitting there going, like, if, if, I, if you get fired today from a job, mm-hmm. okay, in today's economy, as of right fucking now, in October of 2021, you can get fired and you can find a hundred other jobs in fifty different fields mm-hmm. that will train you to do that job right fucking now. Yes, and give you a bonus on top of that. 
I mentioned before, I saw the bonus thing at a fucking uh, uh, Burger King. Yep. Like, hey, come to work Me for too. us today. We get like $200 bonus. In Germany, that wasn't the case, though. If if you got fired, and it didn't matter what you did. If you picked up dog shit in the park, that, that's the job. Yeah. You know, hey, you're, you're good to go. But if you got fired from even the most menial job, the chances of you finding another job... We're slim to none. Pretty fucking slim. You might go months and months, if not years... Before you're going to find another job. Well, like they did here right after the crash. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So Hitler used that information as not just information, but as a tool. He did use it as a tool. Because here's what he's guaranteeing to his people. And this is where the doctor falls in. Hey, if you fall in with my ideology mm-hmm. and, you, and you help us out, right. everybody in Germany will benefit, including you, including me, including Klaus and Dieter. Right. Even though they have uh, Auschwitz. Um, because these filthy Jews are right. fucking you over. And the Poles, the yes. Polish people, oh my God, they attacked, they attacked you. Yeah. I mean, are you going to allow that? These people are attacking your brothers and sisters and killing them off while the Jews are sitting there taking the food out right. of your kid's mouth. Right. Yeah, because this is what they're being fed. Right. So take that information and turn it around if that same thing was to happen right here in America today. It was the same situation. You might be in that same fucking boat going, hey, you know what? Maybe this group of people is the reason why my life is fucked up. Yeah. And it it would be really easy to fall in to that ideology or one that is similar to it. Yes. And we we see that all the time with how propaganda worldwide is spread. Yes. And how it's utilized by people of... I'm not even going to say great intelligence, but no. even average intelligence that might have a Blue's Clues moment that goes, well, yeah, hey, or I've got like, this, yeah. and I can use this. Yeah. A Blue's Clues moment. I love it when you say that. Because I love Blue's Clues, man. And I'm so glad that the old Steve is back. Is he? I'm 48 years old. I fucking watch Blue's Clues, okay? Don't laugh at me. And any of you out there who are laughing at me because I said that, you piss off. Because Blue's Clues is freaking awesome, and the old Steve is back. Oh, my God. That Don't is laugh. so funny. Because Blue's Clues is fucking awesome. Because you need a paw print. <laughs> and I put in my notebook, and I think, think, think. Okay, we're done. <laughs> okay, so once he recovered from his wounds, this is 1943, once he recovered from his wounds... He, Mengele, received a transfer to Berlin and was assigned to the headquarters of the SS Race and Settlement Office in, you know, in Berlin. There we go. Main office. There we go. That's what I was saying. Um, While there, he would again join forces with Dr. V, who I, well, I said this before, but we got, you know, cut off. (laughs) I believe totally that Dr. V was a very big influence in Mengele's life. Oh, I agree. I believe 100%. this was the man he looked to and wanted to emulate. I agree. It, you know, that because was evident he was well-known in, in his field. That was evident in the very beginning yeah. when you first started talking about him that I got that feeling of there, there was this great admiration Correct. 
for for this doctor. Yes. You're talking somebody who does something that is very, very specific. Yeah, Twins very. and genetics. Mm-hmm. That is very, very specific. Oddly specific. Oddly specific. Yeah. Looking for that right genome. Looking for that right connection. Yes. That right DNA sequence. Very specific. Yeah, and I, I get into it later, and it'll probably be in next week's episode, uh, why he focused on twins. Okay? Do you know why I focused on twins? I do, and we're not <laughs> getting into that right now. This okay. Is, this is not that type of a podcast, Scott. Should I be talking about Magna no. Come Loudly? <laughs> no. So, by nineteen forty three, April of 1943, he actually achieved the rank of German SS captain. Holy shit. Yeah. And it was Dr. V who encouraged him to submit an application requesting to be transferred to a service at a concentration camp, mainly Auschwitz. That is right. He was a good man at Auschwitz. Yeah. So his transfer was granted, and he did receive a post at Auschwitz. And when he arrived there, the Auschwitz SS chief medical officer appointed him to be the chief physician of the Romani family camp, which is the gypsy family camp. That's different than the Jews, right? Yes. Okay, because sometimes like No, because what it is is they had the gypsy camps, and then they had the Jewish camps. Because in my head, seriously, it's always Jews. Yeah, it always has been. Until I read this, I didn't even know gypsies were involved. That's Yeah, that's, that's why I was looking at you kind of weird, because when you say concentration camp like Auschwitz, yeah, um, the first thing I think of is starving Jews. Yes, me I too. I don't think about Romanian gypsies or... Romani. Romani, I'm sorry. That, yes. Top ramen? No. Did you say Romani. top ramen gypsies? These are actually from the... Egypt area. I oh, believe. get the fuck out. I kind of go into it a little bit, I think. Okay, well, I'll let you continue. Yeah. Carry on my way. They're so. actually from, yeah, the Asian area. Asia oh. area is oh. where they hail from. But yes. that, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, you don't worry about food. We eat dog, we eat cat, we eat bird, whatever you give us. I'm talking about East Asia. Or no, you know, right around the, you know, oh, the East Indians kind of. Oh, in, so there's East there Indian going, area. Yeah. East Give us a slippy machine at a 7-Eleven. We hot dogs and slippies. Shut up. His transfer was... Oh, I said that. So, um, it said that he received this privileged position at Auschwitz simply because he had received so many prestigious medals, which I can understand. You know, he already proved that he's a very, you know, like above and beyond kind of guy. Okay, so those who remember him at Auschwitz... Describe him as being an extremely attractive man, and Mengele always seemed to have what what would classify as an aristocratic stature, mainly due to the fact that he was never seen unless he was well groomed. Oh, sweet! Unlike you, Scott. Please, every time you see me, I am showered, not always shaved, but to say you are showered. Yes, yeah, I'm. Always, I'm always very clean. <laughs> Just not always well groomed. No, I'm kidding. Oh my god! Just because I haven't gone to see my waxer <laughs> does not mean that I am well groomed. And you don't see my junk anyway. Although I do complain about it. I was gonna say I hear about it. I really gotta go see Michelle this Sunday. Yeah. So prisoners who remember him describe him as the guard who carried a writing crop in his right hand. Oh my and god! And they also say, "Shut up, Scott." He was very memorable due to his highly polished boots and his impeccably clean uniform. I knew a chick who dressed like that and had a riding crop. It was hot. Really freaking hot. You've been a bad boy. (laughs) 
again, we're done. (laughs) U.S. doctors who were posted at Auschwitz, I mean, SS doctors who were posted at Auschwitz didn't provide the prisoners with treatment. They were just there to supervise the inmate doctors that administered the treatment. And the doctors were prisoners themselves who'd been forced to work in the medical services. And one of the duties he was, he did, was in charge of carrying out was his weekly visit to the medical barracks. Now, to me, this seemed, I mean, the way I was reading it, it was akin to a medical doctor doing his rounds at a hospital. Oh, okay. Okay. He would walk up and down the aisles of the sick and infirm, and if a patient hadn't recovered within two work weeks, he actually ordered them to be sent to the gas chambers immediately. Okay, while that sounds sick, I understand. Yes. You need the beds, of. you need the room, and honestly, you got to think about resources. Yes. You have the resources to care for a person for months on end. Right. It sounds sick. I, I, I don't agree with it by today's standards. No. But I get it. Yes. I mean, I, I like I said, I kind of see it. I don't agree with it. Like we say a lot of times, you know, we say it a lot. Um, so all the doctors and patients who survived the camp testified later that he seemed to be everywhere at all times. Like they said omnipresent. Next on the Shutter Channel, the ghost Nazi doctor. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> Because they said that, I mean, one person described it as like they would turn around. They would look. He wasn't there. They'd turn around. He was there. Can you imagine trying to take a poop and all of a sudden, okay, no one's around. I'm on the toilet. This is coming. Whoa, where the fuck did you come from? God damn it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Scare the crap right out of you. So one particular task Mangali seemed to enjoy immensely is a task that other SS doctors considered the most stressful and unpleasant of all the duties they were expected to perform. Yet he seemed almost giddy during the process, considering he would see, be seen smiling and whistling a tune. The task Mangale chose to carry out, even when it wasn't assigned to him, was the selection process. Okay? All right. This is when... They called it the ramps, but this is when uh, the train would come in carrying the prisoners, and as they came off, he made his selections on. He would silently signal one direction with his riding crop, or one direction or the other with his riding crop. One direction meant the new arrival would be forced into hard labor. The other direction meant they were too old, too young, or too ill to work efficiently, and thus, they were sent directly to their deaths in the gas chamber. Okay, I, I understand that, too. Yes. And, and here's why, here's why, folks, here's why. Talking to concentration camp, they're doing hard labor. If you keep someone who's too old or too young or sickly, you're going to have to care for them. You already right. have a limited amount of beds, and you probably have a lot of fucking sick people already. Yeah, because they're being starving. They're eating, you know, contaminated food. Right. You know, drinking contaminated water. Right. So you don't have the healthiest population. You don't need to bring unhealthy people into this. And it's sick. And like I said, I don't condone his actions. I understand why the selection process. The mentality, yes. Yeah, I understand why the selection process happened. Yes. No, I I mean, like I said, I see it too. I just, it just sickens me though. You know, and it's going to. It sickens a lot of people. If it didn't, we'd be in trouble. So as a chief physician, he was also granted the ability to conduct research using the prisoners at the camp as test subject. 
Those chosen to be one of Mengele's test subjects were always housed in separate barracks away from other prisoners and the subjects received better food and were spared execution, albeit temporarily from the gas chambers. I understand that as well. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, I get into it here in a second, but I mean, and I mean, I get into some of it, but it was said that when he did his selection process, a, he wanted twins. (laughs) No, he he would, as soon as they came off the thing, he shouted for twins. Then it Me was too. anybody else with a genetic de- deformity, like club foot or dwarfism or giantism, anything. Okay, and, and here's why I understand why they got better food and all that good stuff, okay? You can't get a good cognitive reading on somebody who is, who's starving. Yes. I don't care what your IQ is. You can, have the, you can have the greatest mind of our time. You take away food and comfort. There is no, it adds to a stress level. So if you can take them out of that stressor, which is, you know, hey, are you going to eat today? Are you going to eat tomorrow? Are you going to eat in a week? Right. And now you put them into where they're, they're, they're comfortable. Right. You take away that stressor, they're more cognitively alert. True. So if you're experimenting to get a good read on your experiment, you know, you uh, you want a good cognitive reaction. Right. So that way there you can really gauge what you're doing. Right. No, totally. Carry on. Carry on, wayward soldier. Wayward son. There'll be peace oh. when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Anywho. I can start singing more. No, that's okay. The test sub, the younger test subject, This is, and this is what I was getting into. The younger test subject never feared him. He would often take time to talk and play with them, which says a lot considering they were, oh, they were been told they're dirty Jews, you know, that they're less than these people. So for this guy to, you know, take the time to talk with them, play with them, he would carry candy in his pockets, which he shared with them. Um, they actually often refer to him as Uncle Mengele. Here's why. Yeah. It's the stress factor. Well, yeah, and they and were li- They just knew that they were living in the best conditions. Exactly. So, if you, especially if, and I, I kind of admire him for doing that. And let me tell you why. You know that these kids, these people, but especially the kids, are going to be under some horrific conditions coming up. Yeah, in it's like a, days. Yes, in days. It's 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 a coming. Yeah. Well, why sit there and torture them? Right. And, you know, and, and treat them like they're garbage before you really have to. Right. Let's make them comfortable. Let's get them to where. And plus, you know, if you want to give a kid a shot, who are you? Think of yourself as a child. Who are you more likely to take a shot uh, from? Would it be me who's going to come up to you and sit there and let's just say I'm cussing at you all day. Right. You know, I'm sitting there going, fuck you. And Tammy, beating you. And I'm, beating, yeah. I'm just I'm rude to you and I'm very dismissive. Or. Are you going to let me give you a shot if I sit there? Hey, Tammy, little Tammy Sue, how's your day going? Like your pigtails? Those are lovely. I'll tell you what. Let's play a game together. Let's play tea party. Let's play with some dolls. Let's play some soccer. Would you like some candy? I have some, I have some candy for you, little girl. But I'm pretty sure he didn't say it like that. Um, pretty you know, sure not to. But trying to comfort you right. in this time of, uh, of, of great stress and sorrow. Well, it's going to be the night. It's going to be the ladder of it. You know, if you're trusting me and I say, hello, Tommy, 
right now I have to give you a shot. Can you hold still? And you'd be like, yeah, I'll do that, dude. It's, it's cool. You know, ow, that hurt. Oh, I know. I know it hurt. But it'll, be, it'll get better. And you'd be like, okay. Because, dude, I've been chilling with you. I've been playing soccer with you. We've been fucking around. Right. right. So, um, okay, I'll, I'll get into this one thing. And, I mean, t- to kind of explain it. And then we'll get into the rest next time. Fabulous. Okay. Fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah. So, um, the basis for his experiments, and then I'll get into what his experiments were last time, next time. So, while Mengele was stationed at Auschwitz, he used his position as a physician to conduct the most grisly and often fatal surgical experiments. Although he kept the true reason of the experiments a secret. Some think it was obvious that he had a quest, and this was a pseudoscientific quest to discover the secret to the genetic code. The code that Dr. V was trying to find. Which makes sense. And doc, But Dr. V didn't have the human test subjects. I'm just saying. Think about when you idolize someone. Yeah. Okay? You go above and beyond to be better than the person that you idolize. Because right. you want to impress them. Okay, I'm no different. And I, because like I said, I'm the greatest human test subject ever when it comes, especially when it comes to serial killers. Um, because, you know, I got a fucked up mind. True. Growing up, I idolized uh, a country singer by the name of Ronnie Millsap, who's not a guitar player, he's a pianist. Right. I wanted to write music that was more complex than what he wrote. And I learned to do that. And as I became a teenager, it was like Steve Ray Vaughan, and it was, uh, you know, Eddie Van Halen, right. uh, Carlos Santana. Oh, who else? Um, Jeff Healy later on. Um, right. From the yeah. Eagles? Was no. Was Jeff Healy from? No, he wasn't. No, no. Jeff Healy was a blind guitar player. Oh, okay. He was yeah, yeah, yeah. in the movie Roadhouse. Excellent guitar player for being blind. Played really weird. But um, so I strived to be better than the people that I personally idolized. And uh, I noticed you didn't say Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix is unique. He, J- Jimi Hendrix was very unique. Um, I just I hate saying anything that might be conceived as bad about Hendrix. Because I do. I love Hendrix. Yeah. I didn't find his music that complicated for me. Okay. Um, once you kind of figure out what his style is. Yeah. Um, if, he was still an amazing. Oh, totally. I, I, I'm not going to take that away from him. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and I mean, because I know you've said it before, so I just want to kind of, you know, he was an amazing guitar player. Yeah. I mean, he freaking took a right handed guitar, turned it upside down, like, so much so that he couldn't play a left hand guitar later. Yeah, he's like, I'm left handed, but fuck it. We're just going to turn this one upside down. Call it good. Yeah. yeah. No problem. But um, yeah, I didn't find Hendrix that, that complex. Right. As far as. You know, but that's what I find with a lot of other guitar players is once I kind of learn what their deal is, um, right? How they normally like their picking pattern and what their chord selection normally is, uh, what key they normally ride in, I can usually not always, but usually break down how they play their code. Yeah, I can kind of crack the code, but I see patterns. Yes, that's that's the only reason why I could do that, and I'm not saying that I'm a better guitar player than anybody no. else. By any means, but I can crack that code. Yeah. And I strive for that. Um, one of the problems, like when we're writing today, 
uh, and this is the downfall to anybody who tries to do what do- the doctor's doing and, and people like me do, is sometimes I, I've written things. Okay, the song Send Me Please Stop the Rain. Mm-hmm. Sounds simple. Originally, there was eight time signature changes in that. Wow. Three key changes. That was, it, it was so complicated that I would say out of every five drummers that auditioned and I gave the, the drum music to, couldn't play it. Wow. Absolutely could not play it. And then one day uh, I had a uh, drummer, he worked with me for a while, and uh, his name was Dave. Uh, not my guitar player, Dave. But no. Drummer Dave. He said, dude, we have to simplify this. Because that's that that's that one song that is really good, right? Yeah. All my songs are really good. That's but my panty dropper song. But you know which song. one I'm talking about. That's my panty dropper song. Yeah. Um, and I did. So now there's only like there's there's like three key signature changes in it, um, and or three time signature changes uh, in it, and two key two, two key changes in it. Okay. So I had to simplify it. That's the downfall, though, is we we do things that are sometimes that are so complex, others don't understand it. Right. So, no, I, I totally get where, where home here is coming from. Yeah, totally. No, this is my last paragraph, and then we'll stop for the day. He had the green light from the Nazi party to conduct all the experiments he wanted to on the Jewish and gypsy people who were in prison at Auschwitz. He said he wanted to find their genetic weakness because Hitler and other mem- party members believed that the individuals of the Jewish and Roma gypsy ancestry had naturally degenerative blood and tissue. This degeneration, degeneration made them vulnerable to disease. Thus, the experiments were, in essence, a way for Mengele to produce a scientific evidence that proved the ideals of the Nazi party. And it makes perfect sense. Yes. You, you've convinced the doctor that this group of people, it's okay to cut them up, do whatever you want, because they're beneath you. Right. Way, and they're and, the cause of your problems. And by, and by doing so, you can crack the code. And help out your country. To help out your country to find what it is that causes the genetic differences and blah, blah, blah to, like, advance the Aryan race. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's where I'm going to end today because the experiments were kind of very in-depth. No, so, uh, totally, totally. Yeah, and so. There's no Q&A at the end of this one. No, this no part Q&A one at the two. end of this one because we're not even there yet. But, yeah, so just... Stay tuned till next week, and I promise, you know, I will try to keep a handle on Scott. Please. Nobody can get a handle on all this loving. Anywho. I'm going to change my name to Mick Lovin. That just grossed me out a little bit, but okay. That's what your mom calls me. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Carry on. In her Catwoman outfit. Yeah. Okay. Nice, <laughs> nice talking to y'all. <laughs> this has been Brutal Nation. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. <clears throat> Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Help us. Give, give us a little bit of help here. Click on that uh, Amazon link. If you're going to shop on Amazon, it helps out the show. doesn't cost you anything extra. So, hey, why not? Just one extra step, right? You can check us out on uh, uh, our blogs on Medium, Vocal Media, and Hub Pages. I did that without my sticky note. Good job. <laughs> Woo. Because it's buried and I went, oh, fuck, where's my sticky note? 
This show has been copyrighted. Don't forget Crime Beat on oh, Medium right. as well. He forgot God that. Damn it. See, I guess I didn't need to be the. the you did kind of. I was waiting for it, but then you didn't. So yeah, we're also <laughs> going to be featured. We can. We're also going to be. Uh, we've been approved through the publication Crime Beat on Vocal Media, so you can find us there as well. Just search at Brutal Nation. This show's copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. And Dieter and Klaus. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, that is right. We will. Remember, if you get the chance, catch a Jew today. That's not nice, Dieter. I, I don't know what gets into it. I, I really don't. God dang. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye.